This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and along with Archbishop Alexander Sample, we'll be talking about a spiritual road trip. So Archbishop, welcome back. We've had you gone a little bit. Uh, Bishop Smith stepped in. It was really fun to talk with him. So I appreciate uh, you sharing him with us for a couple of the episodes, but we're glad to have you back in studio. And yeah, well, you- I'm, I'm a very poor substitute for <laughs> Bishop Smith, but I'll try to do my best. It's great. Well, help us begin, please, by opening in prayer. Certainly. I'm going to use, uh, uh, Dina Marie, our our prayer for the Synod. Uh, You know, this is a prayer that we've really been promoting here, uh, asking our people really to pray this this prayer um, uh, for the success of our Holy Father's call to this world synod on, on, on synodality. So let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We stand before you, Holy Spirit, as we gather together in your name, with you alone to guide us, make yourself at home in our hearts, teach us the way we must go, and how we are to pursue it. We are weak and sinful. Do not let us promote disorder. Do not let ignorance lead us down the wrong path, nor partiality influence our actions. Let us find in you our unity so that we may journey together to eternal life and not stray from the way of truth and what is right. All this we ask of you who are at work in every time and place, in the communion of the Father and the Son forever and ever. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And it's been great to really hear that prayer prayed together, Archbishop, I know in our parish communities. And what I want to remind people is not only our parishes in Western Oregon, but all around the globe, you know, we're praying this prayer in unity. So like the prayers of the mass, I mean, this is a beautiful way for us to unite our voices in prayer, no matter what language, no yeah. matter what uh, size of our parish. So I think yeah. it's really beautiful for you to invite yeah, we're us doing this with brothers and sisters from all around the world. That is, that's a good, good thing to point out. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Well, I know that you started the new year off. First, we talked about the Archbishop's discernment retreat and had some time over the weekend to be with some men who are really listening to that call. But then you got on the road and headed down to Marion County and spent some time. I know for many years you've said, I want to go down and be with all the parishes. What are they, 150 plus parishes in the in uh, Western we have Oregon? We have, a, we have 124 parishes 124. And, and 22 missions. Wow. So it's hard to hit all of those. 
uh, but you are doing your best one at a time. Tell us about just being able to head to Marion County, some of your goals and hopes for being with the people for almost a full week. Yeah, this was uh, my assistant, Roseanne, uh, uh, reminding me this is my was my 12th pastoral visit of this kind since I started doing these a couple of years ago, or a couple, three years ago. Of course, COVID really put us uh, on hold for a good chunk of time. So I'd, I'd be much further along in the, in, the, in the list, so to speak. But yes, yeah, so it's, it's a visit to a particular geographical region of the Archdiocese, in this case, the Marion County Vicariate. So it wasn't too far south from the metro area where I had my residence. But of course, the first visit I did was way down in southern Oregon. And so it's a wonderful time just to get out for the archbishop, you know, as shepherd, his spiritual father, to get out from behind his desk uh, and, and away from just the uh, metro area of Portland, which is certainly a beloved part of our archdiocese, but isn't the whole archdiocese. Mm-hmm. And to get out among the people and the priests uh, uh, of our archdiocese. So I, I honestly, and I mean this really from the heart, and, and, I, and I want our listeners to hear this, how much life this has given me as archbishop. Uh, it, it's, it's really, in many ways, helped transform my own ministry as a bishop in, in the church today, to be able to spend that kind of time uh, really um, among the flock, if you will, and, and just being with the people that Jesus has entrusted to my pastoral care as a spiritual father. And what father doesn't want to be with their children? You know, so for all my beloved sons and daughters who are part of this local church entrusted to my care, it's just such a joy and such a privilege to be with the people. And like I said, it really has transformed my life uh, as, as a bishop and given me a whole new energy and a zeal, quite honestly, for the work that Jesus has given me to do among us. And, and so this visit in particular was, was uh, uh, just wonderful. It was the, so it's Marion County. So it included the parishes in Silverton, in Mount Angel, in Malala, in Canby, in uh, Jervis, uh, St. Louis, and uh, in St. Paul. Just very much enjoyed it, and, and such wonderful, wonderful people I met, and and visiting the schools as well. I think that's one of the most exciting things for parishes is to have the school communities and to be able to be with the archbishop because that that's a really special time. You know, and and, and really, honestly and truly, I, I love when these vicariate visits include schools. Not all of our, sadly, not all, not all of our vicariates have schools, but uh, those that do, I always include. A visit to the school is part of, of my pastoral visit. And I just honestly, I just love the time with the kids. Uh, so, you know, I was able to visit Sacred Heart uh, School in Jervis and St. Paul Elementary School in St. Paul. And both of these schools are very small uh, country schools. And so they have combined grades uh, where so they, you know, combine two grades together in the same classroom. But it was a tremendous visit. And Oh, I just love that question. And I, I go in, I don't go in to give any teaching or lecture to the kids. I always, every time I visit a school, I say, okay, here you've got the archbishop uh, sort of trapped in the room uh, for, <laughs> to ask him any questions you want. And so I just put it out there. Any questions you have about me personally, about me as, as your archbishop or about the church or about our faith, fire away. 
And oh my gosh, the questions that these kids have are just so wonderful, you know. So you get, you know, from the younger kids, you get more questions like, what do you like to eat? Or, uh, you know, uh, you know, what's your favorite color? <laughs> or do you have a dog? You know, those kinds of questions. As the kids get older, though, the questions get a little bit more in depth. And, mm -hmm. and I really appreciate that. I, one eighth grader, <clears throat> young boy uh, at, at Sacred Heart and Jervis, Ask me, uh, he said, yeah, we, I've been struggling with this question for a long time. Now, remind you, this is an eighth grader. He said, uh, if, if God created us with free will, so we have free will, but he knows everything that we are going to do with our life. So when he creates us, he knows what we're going to do. So how is that really uh, free mm. will on our part, you know? Yeah. And so in other words, aren't we kind of predetermined? And wow, I mean, I thought that is a great question. So, you know, you get an eighth grader struggling with philosophical, theological questions like that is it's great. But I just I just love uh, that time with the kids. And I've run into some of the children actually in other settings for, since that visit. And, and uh, uh, they come up to me and they say, you visited our school. And I said, well, what grade were you in? And and did you ask me any questions? And, and, you know, then they shared with me their questions that they asked me and I remembered them. And so anyway, it's, it's, I guess I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm betraying my uh, preferential option for children, <laughs> perhaps, but uh, it's great, I think, for the archbishop mm -hmm. to be, to be known to the children and that they see him as a real person who loves them and, and, and cares about them so much to, to spend some time with them. Right, right. And I know, Archbishop, as you mentioned last year, the real focus of being a spiritual father and communicating that to your priests, having these special events throughout the year, this time to come together in retreat and a real focus mission of, of that spiritual fatherhood nurturing. Uh, what was your time to have with those priests in that vicariate to be able to be with them? Did you get to have some one-on-one -on -one yeah, time? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a good question, uh, Dean and Marie, because in the past, when I would do these visits, one, one piece was always a part of the visit in the past, which was I do a Eucharistic holy hour with all the priests of the visit, uh, all the priests that are part of the area that I'm visiting. So I call them together for an hour of prayer where we, the, the bishop, along with his brother priests, just in quiet prayer before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament for an hour. And I tell them, well, you know, during this time of prayer, I'm praying for each of you individually, knowing individually what your own needs might be, actually. And I ask you to pray for each other uh, as brothers in Christ serving here and for your parishes. Um, and I pray for the parishes as well during that time. So I, I just have to think that's very pleasing to the Lord to, to see a bishop surrounded by some of his priests in prayer before his Eucharistic face. Um, but then we always share a meal after that, a, a very casual, comfortable, no agenda, just spend time together, get to know each other better and just enjoy each other's company. So that's always been a part of the visit. And then I would, I would make myself available, so to speak, if any priest wanted to meet with me individually, though this time in moving forward in that intentionality that I have to spend more time with the priest and get to know them better and for us uh, to have that uh, building and strengthening of our relationship. Now, when I do these visits, I, I meet with all of the priests one-on-one -on -one and spend that time with them. So I was able to do that with the priests down there. And uh, that's where you really 
get to know each other a little bit better. You get to know, I get to know their struggles. And I, I, and I tell them, you know, don't, let's not, you know, keep this at a superficial level where you have to sort of put on a good face uh, and a good, good front. I said, I want to know what's really going on with you and how you're doing and what's going on in the parish. And is there any way I can help you and support you? In other words, I, I really want to know how you're doing. I really care about you. And, and so I was able to do that on this visit. We did both. We did the holy hour and the dinner as we always do. But then I had that beautiful one-on-one -on -one time uh, with each of the priests, often uh, shared over, over a meal as well. Right, right. And I think we've noticed with the COVID restrictions and, you know, your invitation last July, you know, to come back to church and we're still needing to continue to make that invitation. But what are the priests seeing in terms of the return? Um, are, are people coming back? What are some of their questions, their needs for really getting full engagement back into parish life? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a more rural part of, of our archdiocese. And, uh, and so in the rural areas, there's, there's a, a much uh, uh, better, shall we call it, uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, from from uh, the the times during in the pandemic when first we were shut down for a short while and then then we had limited space you know that we could accommodate for people in church before things were fully opened up and so a lot of people did get used to watching mass at home rather than really participating in person but in the rural areas like this the recovery uh, in other words the return of people has been uh, stronger because they're smaller communities. And people know each other. They're very closely connected to their parish. And their parish is oftentimes a real sort of a social uh, uh, centerpiece in their lives. And so uh, I would say that, that what I was hearing from the pastors down there and, and what I experienced myself, uh, especially on, on the weekend masses that I did, um, Saturday evening and Sunday, that uh, the, yeah, the numbers are pretty good actually. The the mm -hmm. people have come back to the mo for the most part. Um, there are still some people who are staying away, not because you know they're not interested in coming to mass, but they, uh, you know, the people are all over the board with this this uh, uh, virus and the pandemic, and and some people just quite honestly don't feel uh, safe yet uh, to come to church and are very concerned about it because of maybe their own health or the health of somebody they have at home where others, you know, are, are much further along in that. One of the realities that is out there, um, and this, in this area of the archdiocese, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is a very particularly strong uh, Catholic area. I would say, especially that, that Mount Angel, uh, mm -hmm. Jervis, St. Paul kind of corridor there, actually is very, is very Catholic, uh, um, a strong Catholic presence in history there. Uh, but there, there's also what I saw evidenced, uh, sadly, some of this division that we've seen in the church over, over this time, uh, over, over COVID, you know, the uh, masking versus not masking, vaccinations versus, you know, not wanting to be vaccinated. And yeah, it, it, is, it is sadly introduced a division, you know, into the communities, and, and they're still struggling with that. And we need some real reconciliation as a church around these issues. I, I really firmly believe that. In fact, I, I said in one of the places that, you know, when this is all over and done with, and we pray God soon, we're all, we as a church are going to have to step back 
really, and take a good hard look at ourselves and, and ask ourselves how we allowed this to happen to us during this time of pandemic. How did we allow uh, the seeds of division uh, to, to really take, take root uh, among us during this time? We could have been a very powerful and strong counter witness to the culture as to what we see in the broader culture of division and political division. You know, and quite honestly, um, <clears throat> I see it as, as largely just a politicized uh, atmosphere around COVID. And that sadly has infected the church. And, and those dynamics are playing out in, in even in our parish communities. So we're going to have to step back and take a look at this and take a good examination of conscience and, and how we allowed this to divide us so, so that we would even call each other names uh, uh, or you're a good Catholic, you're not. Um, and, I'll, and I've said to the people, because there's been some division with me even and some of our people who disagreed strongly with some of the decisions I was making. And so I said, you know, I'll, I'll be a part of that. I'll, I'll step back and take a good hard look at myself as well and, and assess the mistakes that I made along the way. You know, there are definitely things I would do differently now with what I know now. Of course, at the time you're flying uh, sort of in the dark, you know, we've never been through this before. This is the first time we've done something like this and we've learned some lessons. Uh, so I'll be willing to own up to that as well. But, uh, you know, at the time, we were all just doing the best we could uh, with the information that we had. So that dynamic is still there. And I think there's some healing that needs to happen. But I found the people, though, overall, just very goodwill, even those that might have disagreed with me and, and taken exception to some of that and disagreed with each other. They seem to be uh, opening up to one another and opening up to me. And, and I, I think the the wounds, if you will, inflicted by this pandemic uh, are beginning to heal. Um, but anyway, it was, it was, uh, that was just a very minor, <clears throat> uh, maybe a more challenging point uh, in what otherwise was just a, a just a beautiful uh, visit among the people. And I'm just never ceased to be amazed by the strength mm -hmm. and the vitality and the history in, in, in some of these uh, communities. You know, I had the privilege for example, in St. Paul, this, the town of St. Paul, which is, you know, our, our, our very historic church, it's where Arch Archbishop Blanchet first came and established that parish. And uh, I, I was able to visit his grave. Uh, he's buried there in St. Paul. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that this is my first time I, I visited the cemetery there and, and prayed at Archbishop Blanchet's uh, grave. So the very first Archbishop of then Oregon City, later uh, Portland, you know, my predecessor, uh, was a beautiful experience to be able to pray there. And then to see, you know, the beautiful monument there to the early religious sisters who came, you know, to the area, and uh, a monument to their powerful witness and, and who came and sacrificed much and, and spent their lives in the service here. A very historic uh, cemetery there in, in, in St. Paul. Yeah, so it was, it was just a, a Great, great visit. Right. And I just wonder, Archbishop, as you mentioned, the communities there in Marion County, you've got the Benedictines, you've got some Carmelites, you have uh, the missionaries of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of religious orders that happen to be in and present and have a long history. Do you sense when you have visited some of these different vicariates that where there are religious, there's a, there could be a difference? I know for me, if I I haven't been in a parish that's really been exposed to religious orders. 
but I can imagine, you know, Mount Angel, you're right there. You have the sisters, you have the priests, you have the brothers. There's something special in our faith to be connected with, I think, our religious orders in our in our parish life. Yeah, I think when, when we look at the community, especially at Mount Angel, you know, where you have the Benedictine sisters there who, you know, have been there for a long time with their monastery, and of course, up on the hilltop, uh, Mount Angel Abbey and, and, and Seminary, long history there. And I think that's, you know, largely why the area around Mount Angel is so strong in, in its Catholic faith and witness. And there's such a high percentage of Catholics there. It's, it really is a large part of that influence of religious on, on the community. And it is very sad that with the uh, declining numbers in women religious and men religious uh, in those communities, that that their presence in our parishes and in our schools is not what it used to be. And so a lot of young people, I may say most young people now today, are not exposed to someone who is uh, in consecrated life, in religious life, in a religious institute, like the Benedictines or the Dominicans or the Franciscans or Jesuits or any other of the communities you might name, which is, which is an impoverishment, I think, for our young people. I think is I think particularly of, of of young women and girls who might otherwise be inspired to consider a religious vocation to consecrated life in one of these religious institutes. Well, if they grow up and they never see a sister, they never experience the ministry of a sister, uh, maybe in their school, for example. Well, what is there to be attract for them to be attracted to? They don't. In other words. When a young man looks at a priest, whether it be a diocesan priest, usually he sees what the priest is. He sees what he does. He gets to know the priest. He maybe can be inspired by the life of the priest and maybe want to you know, think about emulating that and being like him uh, and attracted to the priestly vocation. Well, for these young girls and women, if they don't see a sister uh, and they don't experience the life and the ministry of a sister, you know, how are they going to be attracted to that? How are they going to understand it and know what it is? So it's, it really is an impoverishment. But when you, when you, you're right, Dina Marie, when you do have the presence of religious uh, in a parish, oftentimes uh, in, in, women religious in a school, for example, it has a profound impact on the culture and, and the Catholicity, if you will, of, of, of the community. It makes its own unique impact. And because they, the, these religious communities each have their own charism. And they bring that charism, not only to their lives, but to the life of the community as well. And there's a witness there that is that is very, very powerful. So, yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate and celebrate when the religious are present. Uh, and I really kind of bemoan uh, the reality that, that in most of our places, uh, religious life is something that people don't experience. So <laughs> young, young people have to rely on what they see in movies and television to reflect that and, and you know, uh, that's a very distorted picture uh, of, of religious life. It's definitely an invitation, I think, to continue to pray for vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Archbishop, as you reflect on having that time in Marion County with that vicariate, what were some of the takeaways, some of the things that you just took back and said, I'm glad I saw that. I'm glad I experienced that. Or, you know, oh, Lord, continue to help us pray for this. You know, what were some of those maybe key moments for you? Well, I, 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 a number of things uh, I can think of. Uh, first of all, is just the sense of history, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a history buff and I, I love history. 
And, you know, this area of our archdiocese is very historical. Uh, you know, like I, we were talking earlier about St. Paul and the whole, you know, area around uh, Mount Angel and Mount Angel Abbey and the history there. So there's just this deep sense of history and being deeply connected uh, with that history when, when you visit these places and talk to the people who have a very strong sense of, of their own history. Secondly, I would say the strength of these faith communities, and this is just this is just the reality. In, in smaller communities of people, of, of churches and parishes, there's a greater, there's a stronger sense of family and, and community there than you might find in some of the larger, more urban parishes where people just don't get to know each other and they may not live. You know, if you're if you're just an example, if you're if you're a parishioner in one of the parishes in the metro area of Portland, well, this is a huge, you know, metropolitan area and huge population. And, and, and there's a lot of people here. And, you know, it's hard to get to know people, uh, even in your own parish, especially if you have a large parish. Whereas in these smaller communities, everybody knows each other, you know, they, they see each other, not only at church, but they see each other at the grocery store and at the post office, you know, it's, it's a community. And so that strong sense of community is really, really something that, that strikes uh, me very much so. Um, I think the uh, commitment to the broader community, too, there's great pride, not just in the Catholic community, but, but beyond that. I think in these two small schools, you know, two small schools that are still very, very strong uh, in, 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 in their Catholicity, really, in their Catholic witness, and their, their formation of these young minds and hearts according to the gospel of Jesus uh, and, and, and the faith of our church. And I think, you know, this, uh, I, I think also the, where there needs to be some growth perhaps is, is again, in overcoming some of these divisions among us, which are largely driven by more by political ideology than, than anything else, quite honestly. You know, someone recently uh, not it wasn't from this area, but but someone in the archdiocese recently shook my hand and then sort of got in my face a little bit, <clears throat> challenging me, you know, to you know, remove the mandates, take off the mandates, mandates, you know, stand up, you know, and, and let's witness to our faith or something along those lines, you know. And I thought, I thought later, I thought, you know, in, in my car on the way home, I thought, you know, I'm not really interested in these politics. What does that have to do? with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd rather talk about Jesus. I'd rather talk about evangelization. I would rather talk about strengthening our own relationship with the Lord and sharing that good news with others, our faith in Christ, our relationship with Christ. And let's, so I think we have some work to do and not just this area all, all across the archdiocese, but it's, it's there is just to overcome these divisions and the, um, uh, yeah, the work the enemy, our, our ancient enemy, has done on us during this time and, and to heal those wounds and really to get back to what we're really all about, and that's proclaiming uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and these parishes are well positioned to do that uh, because, again, of the strength of their local communities. Wonderful. And again, I love that Jesus changes everything. That's Absolutely. It's a simple phrase, but it's the truth. And that is what we have to go to 
in all of these different struggles that we may endure. So we'll pray for your next uh, pastoral visit whenever that is coming up. We'll get an update on that. And again, remind our listeners that Jesus does change everything. Archbishop, thank you so much for a little bit of an insight on your recent trip to Marion County and the vicariate there. And we love to have you close this time with your blessing. Yes, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you good people, your loved ones, your families, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.